yeah, it's just all relative. And if you don't get yourself caught up to the wins and losses and hopefully try to enjoy the process and your journey, enjoy where you are, that you do have some wins and you have some losses. Yeah, be thankful for the wins you have. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Welcome to episode number 20 of the Shankcast. Happy New Year. 20. Shankers. Happy New Year. Like 2020. First oh, new year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, we planned that's it. Good. Yeah. We planned it that yeah, way. <laughs> First episode of 2020. <laughs> episode number 20. We got triple 20. So today we're going to be talking about how to advance your tennis level right now. And what I mean by that, let me just go ahead and read the, the question. This is the question that this topic originated from. This is from Scott Newkirk, who said, generally speaking, from your experience coaching players, What are the top two or three things that a player at any given level needs to develop and improve to become a better player and move to a higher level? For example, 3-0 to 3-5, 3-5 to 4-0, etc. So what Kevin, Megan, and myself, who are lifelong tennis coaches, is that all you guys have ever done? Like that's the (laughs) only... I'm I'm just curious. Like, I mean, when I, before college, like I was worked in janitorial service for a while. I delivered papers, but like after college, have you guys done anything other than coaching? Coaching. I I coach nutrition too, but other than that, no. But your full, your your full-time gig has always been Mm -hmm. now. Lifetime. So yeah, coming from three, like like that's all we know. (laughs) Well, Megan knows nutrition stuff. Kevin and I, we don't know anything else. No. Just, uh, (laughs) just tennis. From our perspective, I'm really curious to have a roundtable discussion and talk about starting with 3-0 and a move to, moving to 3-5 and then 4-0, 4-5. What, from our perspectives, should you be focusing on to make the jump to the next level? Does that make sense? Yeah. Makes sense. So no matter what level you're at now, unless your name is Sissy Poss or something, like we're going to cover your, your level and let you know from our perspective what you should be focusing on. So let's start off with 3.0. And we could go before 3-0, but I feel like in general, if you're starting to play tennis and you're playing matches at all, you pretty much kind of get rounded up. I know there's 2-5, you know, tennis, but I felt like maybe we should just kind of, mm-hmm. yeah, just kind of round up to 3-0. Does that sound reasonable? Yeah. All right. So 3-0, big focus points. How do, how do you make it up from 3.0 level? Thoughts? I sorry, I'm gonna go uh, first. Yeah. Uh, I think there's two different ways to look at it at 3.0. There's the I really want to be like a 4.045 player eventually, and there's that route. I'm and, so glad you're starting with this. And then there's the I want to be a 3.5 and stay around there, or you know, uh, or just do the best I can do without really looking at technique. So, or like win a lot at 3.0. Right, right, right. Yeah, <laughs> and so yeah, because there's the the route of I want to really be like a four or five player eventually, or to the top of my possible abilities. Um, would be looking at technique, like technique focus and making sure technique is really good. And that in turn sometimes makes you actually lose some matches and sometimes makes you not be able to make as many balls. And, but in the longer run, you're going to see much more, um, leveling up and yeah, yeah, exactly. And then the other route, which is not wrong either. It just depends on what your goals are that you need to hit just a ton of balls and learn to make a ton of balls with the technique and the skills that you have right now. You're going to win a lot more at 3-0 and 3-5, but above that, it gets a little bit dicier and a little bit tougher. Unless you're already coming in with just perfect technique somehow. You never know, but I'm just, <laughs> just throwing that out there. Yeah, I would so. agree. I think there's maybe even a third position of half and half. Because I think sometimes people in the beginning, if depending on their background, I think it's really interesting finding what background a certain person has when they come in. Like if it's a professional and they're used to kind of like, okay, I need to know the technique. Sometimes they get just drowned out and like, I have to have the technique. And it just turns into this lifelong like technique-like cycle. Um, and I think it really depends on personality, but I do agree with you that like having the technique gives you the potential in the future that when you want to make those big jumps, you're on solid ground. Cause I think a lot of times, like, as we'll probably talk about in the future, things start breaking down and you're like, Oh, and then you, you got to climb back down the ladder before you can go any higher. 
Yeah, I'm glad we we started with that distinction because I think it's really important, especially because at 3-0, you really don't need anything to win a lot of matches besides just hitting the ball over the net and in the court. Like if you can just do that again and again and again, yeah, you're gonna win. crush everyone. <laughs> yeah, you're gonna win a ton of matches. You really don't need any weapons. You really, no disrespect to anybody, like you really don't need athleticism. You just have to figure out like what works for you. Kind of going back to what you were saying, like regardless of how pretty the technique is or how right it is, if you can put the strings on the ball and just like get it over like somehow and figure out how to use whatever your natural way of playing the game is whether that be like hustler or aggressive hitter or a counter puncher, like whatever it is, you can pretty much make anything work at 3-0 yeah. to win a lot of matches and probably eventually get bumped up to 3-5. As long as you're not like not working, <laughs> as long as you're making some effort, I feel like you can move up. The question is how much headroom do you have above that going back to to your point, Megan. Like how this, much room are you leaving yourself above that to actually continue to develop? I think this is why, which is so tough, I think sometimes for coaches and players at that level, yeah. when they play moonballers and they're just like getting destroyed by this person who's just getting balls back high and it looks bad, and, it looks bad. <laughs> and they're like, and it's like the, the argument is like, why should I even spend the time learning technique or doing this? You know, when I'm losing to the person who has horrible technique, they have a racket from like 1950s, has <laughs> never been strong. We got the, shorts with no pockets. Yeah, so. I know. The, the person, guy or girl comes out and just crushes you, and you're like, that was so ugly. And you're I trying think, to learn like the right, you're like busting your ass trying to learn how yeah. to like do it right, and you still lose to this person. I think it's also important to note that there are people, even at like four or five, that have horrible technique. Oh, yeah. And they're really good athletes, or they've just yeah. hit a ton of balls at that whatever they have and they can play at four or five. So there are those types yeah. of players for sure. And they're still frustrating at four or five. Don't, I mean, that's just how for it sure. is, but it, you see relative. a lot more. You can't get away with as much in right. terms of jankiness. And, but I, I know what you're saying. Like, right. Yeah. It doesn't have to be right in order to, to still win at four or five. Yeah. Right. But you can't I, make it up as much as you can. But there's some, there's some yeah. janky strokes like uh, yeah, for sure. coming out and just standing on top yeah. of the net and just hauling off. And yeah. Yeah. There's, there's something some to be said about that because I do. Yeah. Sometimes there, there's so much jank and less technique <laughs> that they sometimes, I'm not saying this is an overall statement in a generality. Sometimes they develop other skills that have been developed because of their lack of ability with the jank. Yeah. It's like, and it almost becomes a weapon. Yeah, it becomes, they have, they're more court, they have more court sense because they know, like, I, I can't, like, do that. So they, and a lot of times I think they also develop either more patience, more grit. Better um, anticipation. Better anticipation because like, yeah. they're like, well, I can't do anything, so I'm just going to annoy this person to death by slicing. And they have, you know, it's just like, whatever. It's whatever like when works. one of your senses is impaired, like when, you, yeah. when you're blind you and see. all the rest yeah, of your yeah. senses, like, become superhuman. You know, mm-hmm. so, I know that was not totally accurate, but you know what I'm saying? Like you right. learn yeah, how yeah. to, you learn yeah. how to adapt and adopt different ways of being successful when you have a deficiency. And no, I mean, it's, it's scientifically, else. I think there's a lot of talk about like uh, neuroplasticity where when they've found in some cases where one side of the brain gets damaged, hmm. people are able to rewire the other side of something or it's, it's pretty crazy, but it's like, like that. I mean, mm-hmm. basically you become like a the daredevil like a superhero or something <laughs> you can't see but you can hear the ball that's all you need become ben affleck yeah when you've got jank <laughs> <laughs> all right moving okay. on yeah. all right three five all right uh three five <laughs> make it i feel like the jump from three five to four oh is probably the biggest yeah. chasm because oh, i don't know four or four five is that's, big a, that's a big one too yeah, it's it's definitely debatable. They're all pretty big, I, depending upon if you t- if you talk about the lowest level three zero compared to the highest level three five. Mm. You're really talking about a two five to four zero difference. You know what I'm saying? It's because, a huge span. Yeah, and so it just is the same way as you move up because the That's lowest true. of whatever that is is kind of like. <clears throat> A step down. And you always have those high people that should have been like 4-0 or 4-5 or whatever, but they're playing in that level. Well, I think another thing that before we get to 4-0, um, as you look higher, another thing that 
comes into the situation is like not necessarily athleticism, but mobility um, with the higher, because as we'll talk, you'll be higher level players are able to exploit more things. And if you can't get to a ball, it really, and that's why I think where you're saying sometimes you have a player who sometimes has played in high school or something, but they're just not as mobile and they're playing at a lower level, just cleaning up because they know what to do and how to exploit, but they couldn't compete at their normal level because physically they're not able to either last as long or move like they used to. So I think that's something interesting, but definitely at like, I think three, five, um, at least for me, the consistency and being able to starting to place the ball a little bit. Uh, I think placement, not even like like getting it necessary two by two feet in the corner, but just getting in a general direction of like, can you start to hit maybe a cross court or two um, makes a, a huge difference in that jump of like placing the ball and also kind of getting, getting us a, a, um, a basic sense of the court. I think when you have those two things, uh, it can really help you at a three, five level. Yeah. And I think there's one, I agree with both of those. And I think there's one more that I think is important too. And it's learning to like time, taking away some time, learning to either <laughs> move forward um, and kind of, it goes along with like understanding the court, but like being able to actually come in when you want to come in rather than just coming in because that's your only option. Uh, yeah. Uh. Or, you know, and I think that really you start to see at that four O level. And so making that jump to three, five, uh, to four O, I think a lot of players that can like hit the short ball with good placement, uh. come in. Sorry. I kind of spit across the room. Um, <laughs> I didn't know. Um, <laughs> but now it, everybody else. Now, <laughs> <laughs> um, and so those types of players that can place the ball and actually with intention come in and like do something with the volley placement wise, you know, taking away time, I think is, is kind of a key thing that you start to see at four Oh. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Playing on your own terms is something that does, really doesn't happen at three Oh. And early three five, it's still kind of like reactionary, like oh, you can do this, so I'll try to do that. And there's not a lot of, um, uh, I don't have a synonym phrase for playing on your own terms, being like proactive, intentional. Yeah, and taking time away, being intentional, and actually doing something effective, like to your opponent, instead of like sitting back so much and yeah. just kind of waiting. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's no question at four zero. Like if you don't have that, you're just not going to win. And the other thing I want to touch on really quick, Kevin, you kind of briefly talked about the the combination of like at three zero. If you want to win a lot, consistency is kind of a given. At three five, um, you have to start developing some kind of thing that makes opponents uncomfortable. Whether that be uh, better placement, whether that be hitting a little more aggressively, whether that be taking uh, time away, and I think what keeps so many players trapped at three, five is they can do one or the other. It's like they can be consistent and like hit the middle of the court mm-hmm. or they can hit the ball hard or hit it close to the lines, but they can't be consistent and hit the ball hard. They can't be consistent and take away time. They can't be consistent and place the ball exactly where they want it to go. Unless it's like an incredible day. And that's the kind of skill that like a four O player kind of has their go to like, you know, favorite like a uh, weapon or tool or tactic and three, five players below three, five players, not so much, but starting to make the transition from three, five to four. I feel like that's kind of the, the distinguishing factor. It's like Joanne has a great, you know, X. And it's like, if you don't figure out how to deal with that, you know, cross court, like backhand, then pff, you're just going to have a really hard time. Cause you can't just play the three Oh game of like, Oh, get it back and play, get it back and play, get it back and play. Does that make sense? Yeah. No. Yeah, I think it's good. But I feel like three five is a bigger jump simply because I hear I hear what you're saying. Like in terms of like um like the check boxes of like tools you have to develop, it's just as big of a like on paper is just as big of a jump. But I think going back to what you said about choosing like your path and do I really want to invest in like being uncomfortable and maybe losing for a little while in order to give myself the headroom? I feel like the majority of players, the answer to that question is no, which is fine. But then when they start winning a lot at 3-5 and they want to win at 4-0, they've handcuffed themselves kind of to that 3-5 that level because 
10 years earlier, they made the decision that they, just want to make they were going to invest in learning how to hit their three, five strokes really, really good. And now they have to hit with more offense and their three, five strokes won't really allow them to do that. Yeah, yeah. I would agree in that sense that the jump from three, five to four O's, the chasm is bigger because you make this transition that we talked about from being reactionary to um, proactive. And I think that's a big jump where you're talking about they have to develop something and changing not only the mindset of like, oh, I just can get balls and get it in, which still works if you can get balls and get it in in a way at a higher kind of rate. Uh, but to really make that jump and have that solid jump, it's like you have to start kind of like what you're talking about, have more intention about how I'm going to start inflicting things and being in the right position. And the, the game starts opening up of like not only how I can play offense, but how I can even play some defense. And so I think that it's not only just a tool set, but it's a mindset. And I think that combination of like developing the tools, but also having the mindset about, okay, when should I use this? How should I approach this situation? And situational awareness has to grow to make you a really solid 4-0 player. Yeah, I, I get that. Sorry. I get that, but I think that there's some elements that we'll talk about from 4-0 to 4-5 that really limit a lot of players to even achieve mm. the four or five you mean just in terms of like their skill set yeah, like yeah exactly. athletically what they're mm -hmm. able to do right and so that's, that's why point. i feel like sometimes <laughs> that is a really hard jump as well for a lot of people um i don't know yeah so yeah we'll no it's point. a good point no there are real you know limitations right like i mean I, not everyone all, can be them. yeah They're, and i i'm not gonna play on the pro tour like there's just you know like <laughs> <laughs> don't kill my dreams yeah, Megan. Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah but i mean it's just uh we'll, we'll get there are we going on to yeah uh, real quick before we do you make a, a good point something you just touched on really quickly you can't just to like put it out there you can be 4-0 and still be a consistency like specialist like we mm. we talked oh, yeah. a lot about like figuring out how to um develop like some kind of weapon or pattern or like taking away time or whatever it is but you can still be really successful at 4-0 just making uh, consistency your cornerstone like skill. You just have to be that much better at it yeah. because mm -hmm. the people you're facing off against are developing those tools and those weapons. Wow. Yeah, so let's go to 4-0. Yeah, so 4-0 so to 4-5. Yeah. Like, 4-0 to 4-5, I think you have to start developing a weapon of some sort. Like You have to have something that can hurt your opponent. Um, and then also the consistency. Like you need all, it just kind of builds. You yeah. need all the stuff from before. It's like the software, uh, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, <laughs> different levels yeah. of like service. Exactly. Like you get this, you get this for $5, yeah. you get this for $10. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that, you know, you need the placement, you need the consistency, you need to be able to do, you know, take away time, all of those things as well. But you also need to have something that can hurt your opponent, whether that be, I can make more balls and run down everything more than you can. That's a weapon. Um, but you're going to see more of like developing a forehand as a weapon or developing, uh, you know, whatever your, your, uh, weapon is. I think that's a key element and i think just talk touching we touched on like the whole idea of moving up and i think some people you know if you don't have the ability to move around the court especially in singles you know if you don't have the ability to move around the court or anticipate really 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 well then your limitations of going up to four or five are just really difficult um or if you can't really develop a weapon. You feel like you just can't. So there's so many people that say like, I can't develop a weapon, which I don't necessarily agree with. But, um, if you really feel like that's a, a struggle for you, then four or five might not be an option. I think for most people, they hear the word weapon and they, they picture like Fernando Gonzalez, like smashing. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's gotta be something like powerful and impressive. And I think a lot of people don't really think of, Side the normal kind, right. uh, normal definition of like what weapon is, or they try to develop something that's not their game style. Yeah, you know, there's so many people that are like, that's a tricky one. Okay, I'm gonna, my, I'm gonna make this my weapon. Like, yeah. like it would be like me saying, I'm gonna make my volleys my weapon. Like, that's never going <laughs> to happen. Like, I talk about volleys so much. Yeah. No. 
Bengalis are horrible. But so it's just, you know what I mean? Like, it's not something like me moving forward and me being aggressive and taking away a ton of time is not my weapon. Like, my weapon is That's hitting... a better way of saying it. Okay. Like, my I think weapon your is are actually really <laughs> solid. But yeah, that wouldn't be smart for you to be like, a right. Rusher, I'm just like gonna a, start. Yeah, rush, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you have to kind of accept your own game style and use your advantages. So if you feel like you can't hit the ball with really, you know, a lot of power uh, because you're really petite or little, <clears throat> and you just feel like you just can't, which is not true, FYI, because there are very many petite little women out there too just that can hit the him. crap out of the ball. Yep. But um, then you need to work on developing heavier spin or he- doing something else that was within your game style to really make it your weapon. It doesn't always have to be hitting the crap out of the ball. I think another way of also this important, I know we're focusing so much on weapon, but I think that transition from 4.0 to 4.5 isn't just about building weapons, but assuring up holes. Because I think as you get higher, yeah, you can have a great weapon, but if you have a hole and you have someone who's a 4.5 who goes, yeah, I'm just not going to hit to that your weapon. I'm going to pinpoint that weakness. And so I think what starts to happen is all these things we're talking about get ramped up at higher rates, meaning that the placement has to be better. The consistency has to be better. But also the things that you don't do well also have to be shored up. So it doesn't mean like um, like earlier in my career, like I would say my volleys weren't the best. I wouldn't say it was like horrible, but it wasn't the best. But I noticed that I had to start shoring those things up. Whereas if I did create opportunities, I needed to feel comfortable to move forward and be able to hit a solid volley off of a, a, a ball that presented itself that I should be able to put away. Like if it's a low volley, yeah, I might struggle with, but if it's a normal high volley that I need to put away, I need to be able to do that. If I need to hit backhand cross courts when my backhand's not the best, you'll start noticing that at a four or five level, you'll go and like, oh, well, his backhand's not the best, but he can make it. Versus like maybe sometimes 4-0, you're like, oh, his backhand's not the best, but if I hit two or three to it, it, then you'll win. I'll win. And so I think it's not only just about having a a weapon, it's about also clearing, uh, making you shore up those weaknesses. Because I play guys that are four five, and they don't have weapons, but they don't have a weakness. And you're like, oh god, I have to win every point, and that's their weapon. <clears throat> so, you know, if you've, I've, again, I've played those guys that are like, they're, they just make every ball, yeah. and you're, and you're like, you're put in this position of like. What the it's heck all on you. Yeah, it's all on me. And yeah. that's their weapon. And you, you and that's know, yeah, legit. That's, like, that's, that's, but I think some people don't <clears throat> understand that that's a weapon. Like, they oh, all yeah, yeah. think, totally. like, yeah, like you were saying, like, Bazooka. you have to hit the ball, yeah. you know, I had to hit a big forehand or a big backhand or a big overhead or whatever. But yeah, there's a ton of players out no. there that just make a ton of balls. Oh. I want to kind of combine and reiterate, like, what you guys said. I think the, the software, like, <laughs> feature, like, checklist thing, like, I think a, a lot of, Early levels and like development for a tennis player, it can be either or. It's like you can be the power player or the consist- the consistency player. You can be like the offensive player or the movement, you know, lady. Like, and you can have like e- e- like one or the other. But up to four or five, uh, beyond four zero, I feel like it's not about or; it's about and. Like, you need consistency and some kind of pressure. Uh, you need that pressure and you need to be able to, to anticipate and like know patterns and basic like positioning and that sort of thing. Like there, you no longer at four or five and above can have, like you're saying, some kind of like big gaping uh, hole. You can't be one dimensional. Yeah. And just to like lay it out there, four or five and above is 10%. You're talking about your your one out of 10 competitive tennis players, not among all tennis players, but among players who compete. It's the top 10% of of tennis players and 50 and above is top like 3 or 4%. I totally I, didn't know that. Really? Yeah, I would say you can be semi one-dimensional in the sense that at if four or five? At, at 4 at 4 5 you can be semi one-dimensional where I've seen guys that maybe don't have a great backhand but they do a really good they have a huge forehand they run around everything and they kind of put themselves in a position of like you know what they're going to do they do it really well and they do a good job of hiding their weakness and you have to work really hard and that's their own ga- only game style I just I don't, mean I, I know what you mean I don't like, mean like one-dimensional you can't like, just be consistent and not have it, like, you can't be a one-trick pony you can't right, be, right 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 yeah. Unless your one trick is really good at four or five. Now I think yeah. for me that next level, 
that's when you can't be a one trick pony. I think you you can if you you can be a one trick pony if your one trick is really good. Like if you're really good you at be a fancy pony. I mean, it's got to be really good. No, though. I mean, but I mean, I play players that have like really good forehands and they're like, oh, dude, it's but you have to. If I was a four or five, you were going to take the whole pony the whole, thing. Well, I was, was going to run with the yeah, be the but fanciest if, pony in the stables. If yeah, you, if you if, only got one trick, if you got one trick and you do it yards. really good, and you know, and I think this is the other grown out your forehead. <laughs> Now you know how I feel when you guys do this and I talk. That's okay. I just keep going. Um, I think if you, and this is the caveat with the one trick pony, as long as you don't have a huge gaping hole, but you know how to protect that hole at four or five, I still think you can have a gaping hole and be be moderately successful. I don't disagree with that. If you just based on my personal experience, (laughs) (laughs) if you know how to protect that hole and, but you do the other things really well, I think you can, you can get away. But why was that so funny? (laughs) Yeah. If like I can be really, I know I can be really successful at four or five because, because I can protect that big, you know, gaping hole effectively yeah. like I can put the ball in play and I can place it reasonably well I won't ever hurt anybody with it but um, I know how to position myself for what my weapon is yeah. and like maximize that as much as possible and so I can be marginally successful at 5-0 uh, but yeah you can, you can still have that yeah I think if we're going to go to that next level... Yeah, let's go ahead. Five, and, and by the way, just coming back to this, I've been looking a lot at the distribution, like breakdown of levels just because of the whole John M. and uh, Chris you know, match. Mm-hmm. And I did that response video and all that. So 4-0 and below is 60% of players. Um, and then... Four, four or five and above is just ten percent. So hmm. there's a there's a big like on the chart. There's a big jump from four zero to four or five. Oh wow! But I think for me, yeah, four five five zero. Five zero is like you you can't have those holes anymore. It's like they will find you, hunt you down, pin you yeah. to the wall, and make you pay for it. Because opponents have so many tools yeah. in their toolbox yeah. now that. And I the, do think the it doubles 5 though. You can still hide the holes. It's different, Like, yeah. you can totally add 5 It's, F- I, I it's tricky. And you better have the right holes. Because if you... If, right. Yeah, if your yeah. overheads yeah. are awful. If your overheads right, are awful, right, right, your volleys yeah. suck. Right, right, it doubles. Right. Yeah, or your return. Stroke, a ground stroke but hole, like you a, can... Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. But I mean, you could get away... I think the only... And I'm, I'd have to think through it more, but the only major hole is maybe not having phenomenal ground strokes. If you don't have volleys and returns and a serve, or a decent serve... Good luck at five zero. They're just gonna pick on you all day long. Yeah. I think as far as like singles, you 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 definitely can't have any holes. There's just you just can't. Uh, the other thing is you you if you really want to be successful, you need to have something, some sort of weapon that you can imp- implement, and you need to really understand your game style and be able to anticipate and problem solve. I think the problem solving at five zero is where. It's, it becomes more of a chess match where it's like you could have a big weapon and the person's like, okay, well, I'll move around your big weapon. And then you have to reposition and kind of juke and change and do stuff uh, at that level where... And below 4-0, that changing and juking like really doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. I feel it's like, like 4-0 is where players are starting yeah. to like maybe have a plan B. But then, yeah, five zero. It's like plan B, C, D, E, yeah, F. Yeah, yeah, and then you I might swing her back around. Yeah, yeah, I think the mental jump is the biggest part between four five to five zero hmm. because I think it's like the understanding of the game more, the understanding of how to problem solve, like you were saying, the understanding of how to hide something that yeah. isn't your strength and how proficient you can be at that. Um, is how successful you're going to be at five zero. I think. Um, and not only that, but going to the mental thing, I think the psychology at at five zero. Oh. Not only can can somebody at five zero like find your little like technique weakness, but they can also oh, yeah. make yeah. you find just your psychological start, like weakness start going and just hill. like yeah. poke, poke, yeah. poke, poke. Yeah. And so if you don't have that figured out by five zero, then people will just the resiliency. Yeah. yeah. Um, I. I kind of disagree that you, I just don't think you can really have. It's hard to hide stuff at five zero. You can I, th- I think still, you can you can try to hide, but you're gonna you're. you're it's I still feel an like obvious thing. It's yeah. It's like you're trying. You're, I don't think you can hide it. I think they're gonna find it 
at a 5-0 level, you can kind of like juke and kind of like dodge bullets for a while, but at a 5-0 level, they're going to pin you down. They're right. going to, I I'm don't, not saying that you can't, but I'm saying that how proficient are you at being able to hide as a sense of using your weapons to their weaknesses more than they're using their strengths to your okay. weaknesses. Yeah. I would, um, can you manipulate the game? to in your favor even though you are going to have a weaker okay, side yeah. i'm not saying you can't make a backhand in the court i'm saying like <laughs> i was just saying you, you were saying like hide and i like the idea where you said manipulate or uh, be proactive or what was by hide i think you're you're thinking like the other person doesn't even know yeah, about it. yeah no, no, no. like when yeah, no, the just... other person knows but you're <laughs> you're yeah. efficient like you can do that yeah. Yeah. you can get away with the other person not even figuring yeah. it yeah. out yeah at They're like, oh ian's left-handed like still when you walk out <laughs> totally. court. yeah yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I think okay, that, yeah, yeah. yeah, but it's, it's about like, can you manipulate the game into your favor? Totally agree with that. Um, yeah. And how well you can do that in mentally, physically, like every aspect no. then is how, how good you are at the five O level. Yeah. I think I totally agree with in that. And I opinion. think it becomes a all out strike. Whereas as you move in the early stages, it's like, Ooh, my little forehand against your little forehand. And then as you move up, it's like, okay, my little strategy against your strategy. And then it's like my strategy against your strategy, my mental against your mental, my physical against your physical, where at five O level, you might be able to go, Oh, this guy's not going to be able to last past a set. You know, I'll just make the set last really long or run him or, or do whatever. And if you can't, kind of what you're saying, manipulate the, the situation to get out of that, you're toast. And if you don't have another move, you're toast. It's like, I love the, the kind of the, the thing in chess where you get to a point where you're just out of moves and you know it and you're like, oh, shoot. You just kind of, yeah, yeah. yeah. You literally just hands. sit out there and go, please, something else yeah. magically happens. You just happen. make it last as yeah. long yeah. as yeah. possible. Please yeah. cramp, please like, you know, but I mean, I think at that level where at a four or five level, yeah, something the person could like just like mentally lose it. At a 5-0 level, it, people just don't mentally like lose it. They mentally lose it within a point, maybe a game, but a whole set of you like mentally just no, like. I don't think that's true because there's a whole lot of people. I'm, I'm talking about it happens that, at a smaller yeah, scale, but not like a. Smaller yeah, scale. Yeah, yeah, you don't okay, see someone yeah. at a 5-0 level just completely check out when they're I, not like physically or. But here's this variable as well. I feel like <clears> it does happen, but I think it's more frequently because of the warfare happening on the other side okay. of the court. Yeah, and so. it's not just like they check out totally on their own. Like yeah. they miss a couple backhands and it's like, oh, and they yeah. start throwing the right, racket. Right, right. Like yeah. they're done. They're That's a better description of it. Because the other person yeah. like cheated them or did something that, something that, did, something. that manipulated the You hit a the mental match. wall of like this chess match and you're like, oh, shoot. There's nothing left I can do. And then that, I feel like, creates the mental checkout. But not a self-inflicted, like, Total I missed one volley. Yeah. Oh, I can't believe this. And then you check out for, like, the entire match. And I think, <laughs> yeah, I've seen, like, lower-level players are like, dude, why are you so mad? You just missed one volley. And the, it's, it's not a big deal. Mm -hmm. So I think that's kind of like, for me, at the 5-0 level, that's when, yeah. I don't know if we're going to talk about it anymore. Well, let's talk about, yeah, beyond. I mean, I personally haven't, you know, I haven't competed beyond that. <clears throat> I, would, I would say you have. And you've both worked with, with you know, players that are significantly stronger than, than a 5-0 level. So what's, what's next? What's after having everything and <laughs> being able to su uh, sufficiently like, protect yourself against whatever weaknesses that you do have? What's, uh, what's next after that? I think for me, one is physicality. I mean, mm -hmm. you have to That's be fit. First, yeah. You have to be able to withstand blows. Um, two would be time. Time. Mm -hmm. It's like you take everything that you might be doing at the five low o level, and then like double the time rate of yeah. like. I was watching a video of kind of like a kid training at our old academy, and it was one kid really high level. The other kid was a higher level. So like. The one kid on one side, which was Zeke, he, he played at a Division One college. The other kid, um, Spencer Papa, who oh, played, played like pro. pro. And Zeke hit a ball that was halfway between the baseline and service line. And Spencer was like already moving in, taking it on the I mean, just absolutely crushed the next backhand. Mm -hmm. I was like, whoa, I haven't seen that in a while. Where it's like he saw the ball before it got to his side of the court already started moving forward to take mm -hmm. the next ball on the rise. And I'm sure it wasn't a weak ball. Like it was no, probably no, 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 no. heavy. It probably had yeah, good it was, it was a decent ball where I would be like, yeah. oh, I'll sit on the baseline. No, yeah, yeah, he was yeah. already, and you just, the, 
the, the ability to pick up things and see things quicker and take advantage of like seconds or half a second is just phenomenal. And yeah. then you just feel it. You feel like a constant sense of pressure from this person and that there is no room to get out of what you, you, you're in. And when you're playing against someone like oh. that, like I'll never, like I played one, we played on this 5-0 team in Kansas City and this girl who had just played on the tour came back and played and she was definitely 10 times above a 5-0. Like I'm hitting with her in practice and I was like, mm, that feeling. Yeah, feeling. You know be, that feeling. It's, like, <laughs> it's going to be bad. You just, you, you can, to, uh, to the same degree that you can like sense when something like there's a vulnerability, you can also start yeah. to get a sense of like, nothing's bothering this person like at all like this is bad for real like i i literally looked at my partner and said you need to hit with her because i don't uh, i like i think she's really good and we called her up to the net and i was like do you play tennis like what is the deal and she was like oh yeah i just got back from the tour in spain and blah 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 and it was dustin's wife and so i i like when we played her, like we tried everything that there was known to me. I mean, everything under the sun. And it was just like, she knew what you were doing before you were doing yeah. it. Yeah. Like it was so, it wasn't even <laughs> frustrating. Yeah. It was just like, you're like, yeah. you just have to well, kind of laugh. You're, and be like, yeah. you're, you're the good. fish in the little, like little, like, goldfish yeah. thing and she's just like ding, ding, she's ding. yeah yeah like literally i mean like, there were times where i was like oh okay okay i'm gonna do da, da, da. And, she knew. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and she knew like what i was doing before i even knew what i was doing um like there were some poaches where i was like did you did you see that ball like i didn't even see the ball come back no. or even to react you know and and it's, it's the time factor and go ahead like they just it was just yeah. that sense of like I don't even have time to do what I want to do, you know, because she's just taking it all away from me. And so, yeah, I would say, exe- really good yeah, execution. And it's like, and it's, it's akin to like, if we play someone who's a, a three, five or three Oh, and we're like, okay. Yeah. It's like, you just like, I've seen that. Like, I've, seen I've that. read this story and, before. And so they're like, two or three steps ahead of you at that five Oh level. It's like, they're just constantly. (laughs) And until you can either hit a ball that's at that rate and level of heaviness, nothing bothers them. You have, you have zero weapons to disturb and it doesn't matter that you have weapons. It's just their rate of anticipation. And I would say another thing that's pretty underrated because we've talked about how taking away time, the level of defense is phenomenal where you hit a shot that you hit against another 5-0 player that you're like oh yeah and you kind of like you hit the shot and you're in, internally you semi-relax you're like the next ball is going to be kind of easy I'll just go up here and finish the point off and the ball comes back like 10 fa- times yeah, faster, faster than, than like, what you what the hit heck? yeah <laughs> that that ability to to get to another ball I don't know how many times where you you start to play a really good player and you hit a shot that you're like oh it's good and they run over there and just like they hit what, better. What, was that all you had? Yeah. I think the defense on the, not only the offense, but the defense where you just hit shots and they just keep coming back and you hit better shots, but they keep coming back and you literally not, you don't, you have to win every point, but you have to really securely finish the point. And dis- you can't lose any point. Like you cannot lose any points no. um, on your own. Like you can't make stupid errors and that kind of stuff. Like that is, I think what happens at the highest levels too is that yes, tennis is a game of errors, but there's a lot more forced errors in that sense than there is just a ton of unforced errors that you might see at a lower level. You know, a lot of points at three Oh are won by whoever makes the mistake. And I think as you, it's still a mistake a lot of times because you're either trying to go for too much because you just feel like you are in that position to where I have to hit a better shot. And so I make the error, but I'm making it in mainly, it's just, I don't know how to describe I think that's it. A great it's a different, different idea. Like I'm you not have making to hit it your best ball without missing again and again. And right. Again. Oh. And so you end up making the error still, but you end up, it's just a different mindset than three. Oh, you're just hitting to make the ball in the court. 
and now at five five or so or above six uh, you're you're aiming for like a foot of the court and so your court gets smaller i think that you said something that's incredible that hopefully a lot of lower can level we, players can we mark can, that down yeah they can pick oh, up we'll on get it. you a yeah <laughs> just that clip you guys finish this um the feeling <laughs> i think you said something about the feeling that you have to hit a better shot and i think that's missed when lower level players see professionals miss a shot or go for a shot they're like that was stupid yeah, they don't understand they the don't understand that like that was the only option at that level that the other person had the other stuff covered and they can deal with that and at that level, they're taking more risk at certain moments because they realize that, like, okay, this is what I have to do to win the point. And it doesn't get translated down if you've never been in a situation where you've been on a court and you literally know, like, I've been on a court playing players where I'm like, I have to hit my 95% forehand 95% of the time yep. and I have to not back up. I have to not give time. I have to not blink. I have to not think. And I have to do it over and over again or it's, 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 it's over. And so when you're playing at that level of pressure where it's like all the things you have to come together without you thinking about it, because everybody's like, oh, I'm thinking about my cross court and I'm, um, no, 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 it, it has to all happen. All the things. Yeah. It has to happen like, <clears throat> that's the shot, you hit it, you move to the next anticipated shot, you hit it, and you keep doing this without thinking and you hit your best shot at each point while doing it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. Yeah, that's. I was gonna touch on that exact kind of feeling. For me, when I, when I'm playing my best, I think I'm a five zero player, and having spent some time with somebody who is like three hundred in the world doubles, six hundred uh, singles, for like several years, like journeyman, like low level, you know, challengers and um, futures uh, kind of guy. And we would play baseline games uh, when we both had a lesson cancel at, at uh, the last club that I worked at. And that f- that feeling of like, when I play against another 5-0 player, eventually I'm going to receive a shot that I can like breathe a little bit. And I can be like, right, okay, yeah. now what do I want to do? <laughs> right, you know? right. For me as a 5-0 player, playing like, several levels above 5-0 at, against this um, low-level you know, professional player, that never came, like ever. And it didn't matter how good of a shot I felt like. You guys were kind of both touching on that. Like your best shot comes back um, at like a normal like rally pace for you, like your best shot. And so if you can't string together a whole bunch of your best shots without making the mistake then there's never any breathing room ever. And it's just like wet blanket, like the heaviest, deepest, most consistent, you know, ball ever. And there's just not any, any wiggle room at all. It just feels like you're in a corner and yeah. And he just keeps trying and you try and you try and you try and like nothing. Yeah. You have to have a fantastic day to like string anything, Mm -hmm. anything together. Yeah. I don't think people understand. And then though, like that, you know, Trevor, like, he feels that same way against the top against, 100. Yeah. Wow. You know, and I don't think many people understand the huge like differences. There's a yeah. huge difference between 50 and pro like playing oh, top yeah. 100 in the world. And I think a oh. lot of people at all levels don't really understand that until you've experienced a little bit of it whether teaching wise or playing wise or something. Um, and it's just it's that's the biggest gap right no. there of all of them. But there's just um, that gap is so huge. I mean, there's so many players like we would train really, really high level players that would say, OK, I'm going to go play on the tour. And then five months later, they're like, yeah, screw that. Like that is I'm going to play college. Really talented and people. They play like number one college at yeah. top 10 in the country. You know, I mean, like there's not it's not like. They were just like slumming it, no. you know, or something. I mean, it's and for your it's, average tennis player when they hear you played college tennis. Like, you don't even have to say like what division or why, like what ranking or whatever. For most people, just hearing college tennis, they're like, "Oh, wow, you're like an incredible player." But the reality is, there's another fifteen or twenty levels like mm-hmm. above no. No. whatever that college level you know player. And is. there's I played a, a couple, lot of differences between college. It's huge. Oh, yeah, too. It's huge differences. You know, it's massive. Um, yeah. So yeah, I played Peter Duhan. Oh, a couple yeah. of baseline mm-hmm. games are so funny. So Peter Duhan, I think, was number one in the world doubles. He was mm-hmm. top 40 singles. He beat Boris Becker. And this is like when Peter's, I mean, Peter's like older. 
And yeah, he was yeah. like 60 or and something. Yeah, he's right like 60. And we're playing baseline games. He's like, oh, mate. And I'm like crushing inside out forehands. And he's just like, do-do-do. Yeah, it's, and it's then the coolest thing to watch ever, though. I would crush one, and he'd slice one, and it hit like the line. He's like, oh, Mate, mate, that's He's just like, luck. That's lucky, luck, lucky mate. Shot. And then he kind of looks yeah. at me, and I do it again, and he does the exact same thing, literally the exact same place. And he, I mean, not even until you experience yeah. it, it's hard yeah. to explain like and the, what that feels like to that be on the like, other end of. Like other you're end just of he was hitting really? slice winners yeah. on me. I mean, and the other thing about Peter is like he doesn't hit the ball hard. He just takes everything early and he comes in. So if you leave anything, yeah. he whatever. He plays like your game style and super but he's talented. smooth. Well, he's just like super smooth. And all the, it makes and it worse because those types of people oh, yeah. make it look so, so yeah. easy. Yeah. It's just like flowy. Yeah. And, yeah. And, yeah. He's like 20 steps ahead of you no matter what. Yeah. And it, it has nothing to do with power. So I, I just want to kind of mention that story because I think a lot of people, as we talk about it, we talk about, oh, hitting hard. Peter would hit the ball. I mean, I, yeah, I would hit the ball hit the harder ball, yeah. than him. But it would come back faster because he took it earlier. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't speed fast. It was just reaction fast. Yeah. And he, mm-hmm. like, nothing I hit bothered him. Yeah. He was just like, oh, mate, that's a nice forehand. Yeah, yeah. He would always, <laughs> and he would always say stuff like that. He'd, He'd compliment like, oh, you about how good your forehand, forehand was. And you're like, like, oh. <laughs> yeah. But he was such a nice guy. Like, you just, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I guess I just had this, like, image of, like, the 3-0 players listening at home being like, well, <laughs> what, like, yeah, what's the, whatever. Yeah, like, what's the point? Like, what what's our message to like begin? Like, a, t- somebody who just started playing like six months ago, and they're hearing our description of like, we're basically saying no matter how good you are, there's always you're gonna someone get, get, going to get smoked like by by somebody. Which, but which, then, and that's okay. Like, it's one of those things. I think it's it's defining what your goals are no matter what level you are like if you're a 3-0 defining like what do you want to do do you want to hang out at 3-5 which is totally fine which you know a lot of club levels they really want to stay at 3-5 there were plenty of women that I taught that I would be like no I want you to go to 4-0 and they'd be like nope no thanks coach Megan like I want to stay at 3-5 I'm totally good and so just redefining what your goals are and then doing the steps that it takes to get that bigger goal and not like having a bigger picture mindset and not just saying like okay well today's match blah 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 but if you're you know if your goal is like I want to be the best three five player I can be with what I have that doesn't mean you have to win every single day it means that you need to go out and train in making a ton of balls and being able to place balls with whatever technique you have. If your goal is I want to be a four or five level player in, you know, five years, 10 years time, then your goal really needs to be to, you know, make sure your technique is pretty sound, make sure that you are starting to develop weapons, make sure that you're going along that path. So I think the other side of it, because I totally agree with what you're saying, is understanding your goals. And if you do have those ambitions for those higher level goals, is kind of reverse engineering kind of what you hear us talking about. Because I think if you start off with the premise at like a lower level, of like, oh, I'm just going to dink balls with my really weird grip and then somehow I'll make this change and I'm going to become a... Make it work. Yeah, I'll make it work. <laughs> you're just going to hit this wall. So I think really understanding that, yeah, if you have this long kind of mindset and this maybe journeyman's attitude. If you're looking to get to that high level, if you're not, you don't have to have that, the, that kind of attitude. It's understanding really developing the fundamentals um, and realizing I'm going to touch on this. Cause I think this is another thing where people at that level, like I need these like advanced level drills to get me to the next level. Like these advanced level drills that I see these pros doing. If I do it, I, I'll, I'll be really good. It's not about the advanced level drills. It's about your proficiency at doing the basic things. Because what you're really hearing us say is like the basic things are just being done better and better and better and better. Really, really well. It's like whatever you think like the advanced level drill is to do, it's really just to test or put like a a difficulty level and saying, can you do the simple fundamental thing at this level of difficulty? And so don't get caught up in like these fancy, crazy drills. Just really try to learn the fundamentals and just try to continue to press yourself and test yourself to see if you can do those same fundamentals under a little bit more stress, a little bit more stress. Um, mm-hmm. Cause I think everybody's like, Oh, I got to do this and that's going to make me like a better player. And it's not, it's it's about doing the simple things it's like my Mr. Is. T. Always, always every time. Yeah. yeah. Like, ah, <laughs> I bit it a fool. But yeah, um, 
And I, you know, really quick story. <laughs> I was, um, we had a uh, really phenomenal coach who used to help us, um, Andy Brandy. He used to come in. It was a, amazing that he could take a very <sighs> basic drill, like a cross-court drill. Everybody's like, oh, advanced players don't just hit cross-courts. They hit cross-courts and then do the tapsy-toe and, and do weird things when they play. <laughs> tapsy-toe. Whatever, I made it up. But anyway. <laughs> tapsy-toe. 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 Yeah. And he that could, heard he could no. take a cross-court <laughs> drill that any beginner could do and oh, make give it, it so hard. Oh, my God. And <laughs> you just, you'd yeah. be shaking there. And he could create that type of pressure that we were talking about in a very simple drill. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of players don't realize mm-hmm. that they he have He had a the, phenomenal eye oh. for things that I've, like, literally, he would be like, do you see that? I would just lie that. I mean, there, there, it was just, yeah. I mean, he'd been teaching for like sixty years or something. He 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 just teaches with his son. Yeah, yeah. Um, Yeah, it's just, yeah. Anyways, I would say one more thing, and then we'll kind of do final final thoughts. I think at first it can be disheartening to hear at least it was for me and it, part of it's my personality like i'm just kind of a perfectionist uh type personality and i didn't know what i didn't know i didn't grow up in high performance or really having much of an act very much of an accurate view or perspective of like how unbelievably deep the level the levels were in the game of tennis and when i first started to discover it not until i was like probably 20 21 like 22 is when i really kind of started to like see some like pieces of information where i was like huh (laughs) (laughs) wait yeah so you're telling me yeah uh it wasn't until then that i kind of started to figure out really where my place was like in the big you know big picture oh yeah and at first that's kind of like for me daunting yeah Yeah. it was kind of disheartening it was like oh like it wasn't what i wasn't what i thought i was you know i remember that moment do you? Yeah, <laughs> how, how I, I old were you when, when you had that moment? Um, <laughs> when I started playing, uh, probably Division One tennis, it, it was like you started to feel it. And then when I traveled and mm. went overseas, it just hit me in the face. It was like yeah. a train that just like ran me over and kept like, and I was like just <laughs> being dragged. You over. Yeah, I was like. <laughs> Do you, do you have a yeah, moment? Yeah, I was you way remember? younger though. I was 13 and it was the summer I trained with uh, Tara, that girl mm. I was talking about that played on the tour. I mean, she was, you know, 80 in the world and she just, the training, I was like, yeah, this isn't going to be me. Like this, I just mm. was like, this is so every day getting beat up and just getting killed and just, yeah, it was daunting. I'm not going to lie. Uh, Made you realize where you were though. Exactly. For sure. Yeah. So yeah. I feel like for some people listening, maybe they're having maybe a little bit of that kind of realization, hearing just the conversation of like the escalation of <laughs> skill and <laughs> that talent. Brutal. That, I mean, you know, it is what it is. And for me, like over the years, as I've like done self like talk therapy, <laughs> AKA, <laughs> the essential tennis podcast <laughs> uh, for a decade now, you know, I've been doing that show and talking about perspectives and my experiences with students and as a player and a, as a coach over time, that, that kind of like um, discouragement has just turned into like respect and awe, like for the game. Uh, I'm comfortable now with like where my play It's taken me a while, but I'm comfortable now with where my place is. And I just look at everybody that's above me on like the huge ladder and I'm just like, just grateful to be like where I am, you know, and every like little incremental step you take, like it just, it's your own like personal journey. And no matter how many rungs are above you on the ladder, like it can, can still be a special, a special thing. And you can always be better and you can always, you know, and you can always be worse. <laughs> like yeah. there's always there's, like somewhere yeah, yeah. you're, you're always, you just, yeah, you have to be grateful for, you know, being able to get out there and play and Yeah. I would say being grateful is really important and not getting caught, not, and I think that I struggle with this, especially when you started seeing the rungs and it's like the, the self-worth of like your wins and losses connected mm-hmm. to playing. Like I would, I remember one of my first professional tournaments I got into and I was like, yeah, I'm going to go play. For, it was like excitement <laughs> to get in and then absolutely dread to get on the court, realizing who I was going to play. And like, I was going to be, be in front of people. I was like, I was crapping bricks. I was praying. Like, it was one of the times where I was probably praying, like, please don't put me on center court. Please don't put me on center court. It was my first futures. And even before that, you start to get a sense and feel for it. But I would say um, 
it's all relative. And I know that's kind of like, oh, it's all relative, Kevin. But it is. Yeah, it's so cliche. It, but, it is but really in all relative. So real. Yeah, because you could be uh, a three five and have a ton of people below you, but you're gonna still have a ton of people above you. I'm at my level, and I enjoy competing. But you know, I do play those players and that that old kind of feeling comes back sometimes i'm like whoa it doesn't matter anymore and i wish i knew that more i wish i knew what i knew Uh, now when i was playing because there was just a lot of anxiety and then for me my attitude was like i just gotta work harder i'm just gonna bulldoze it i'm just gonna but i did have some of those moments like i trained with these guys that we that we travel and they just railed me for like I mean, just unbelievable rail. It was like on a whole nother scale of rail. <laughs> the just, rail scale. Yeah. <laughs> um, for like, it was, it was probably one of the lowest moments in my tennis careers. And I remember going, and I'm glad I stuck with it. But literally, I think I didn't win like game. I was struggling to win games and practice. And these guys were like top level players, but they weren't even top in college. They were ranked. And I was like my first That's experience playing ranked players. And then we were playing well, other players. And you see who smashes those players yeah. and who and smashes then, those players. Like, it was just like, like oh. whoa. And <laughs> yeah, it's just all relative. And if you don't get yourself caught up to the wins and losses and hopefully try to enjoy the process and your journey enjoy where you are that you do have some wins and you have some losses yeah. and that you can't get better wins you have yeah <laughs> <laughs> you guys make it sound so bad no, I but feel I like think a 3-0 player though you have that same you know I mean uh, I know I'm sure you guys have taught uh, an adult who their, their first match their first USTA match at 2-5 or 3-0 and they're super nervous and they're super you know and then they lose and they're like well yeah. I lost for my team like there was so much pressure what on why should I be out here? Yeah. And you know, I, my thing to that is always you have to enjoy. Did you have to have some sort of enjoyment when you're on the court, no matter whether you win or lose. And I think that happens at every level because there are plenty of times where I literally hate every moment when I'm out there on the court, but afterwards, like looking <laughs> back, I'll go, oh, okay, that, you know, like at least I can play. I'm out there. You know, you have to kind of yeah. calm yourself down to give yourself perspective and I think that's always, um, you know, a big key element. I mean, I, I taught one lady who really struggled with people watching her, you know, and USTA now you have teams like cheering for the other person and she played singles. So it was like one of two, you know, singles matches, which half the time was on the line. And, you know, and so you have to, she finally started to feel like, okay, like even if I lose, like, I'm just going to do everything I can, like everything I can and just be okay with that. And it's a hard place to it's get hard, to, but yeah. it's, it's a, I think it should be a goal for every tennis player, whether you achieve it totally or not agree. is uh, the hard part. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think another thing that basically maybe from four O down, maybe might be different. You guys might disagree. I think it's nice because you have the different levels to kind of like mitigate the complete, like, roasting eye experience i think once you get past like the 5-0 level there's just kind of this blanket like airness you don't see the numbers anymore so when you go out and play numbers at a like where i was playing professional tournaments and like i could play somebody who was like 700 in the world or 800 in the world and i was like the 5-0 ha ha there's did that that relative that scale that wrong it, it all d- goes away. It, yeah, it's it like, doesn't matter anymore. Yeah, like where yeah. you have this, like, maybe I'm not explaining, like where you have like the three O's, play saying. the yeah, three O's. That's like the all important number. Yeah. yeah, and the numbers. But when you get to that, like, level. So I think what we're talking about getting the, the like the feelings of like playing but college tennis. But I think tennis. it's the same feeling for a I 3-0 do think it's the that same gets feeling, just but I, demolished on the court by true, a 3-5 player that was ranked 3-0 and that they're like, well, that player should not have been ranked 3-0. They should be a 3-5. And it's that same feeling of like, yeah. well, I, I tried everything and I just got killed 0-0 in 30 minutes. Like, you know. No, I agree the same. I think just it's you at least have some sense of either knowing. I think at the other level, it's like, you, you, yeah, you just get demolished and you just feel... No, I'm just saying, like, I think yeah, that the everyone has the same. I agree that with that. Nobody yeah. has any sympathy for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm just like, yeah, okay, whatever. What like, I'm trying yeah. to say is it's okay. <laughs> we're all the same. That's what yeah. I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> all right. I'll be I quiet know. now. Thank you so much for listening. Don't get discouraged. You can do it. Happy Happy New Year! You can you can you can do it. Twenty twenty. 
<laughs> pressing on <laughs> yeah thank you so much for listening it's kind of tough to wrap these up like we cover so much so much ground and then it's like so we have to stop yeah <laughs> it's like all right see you next week actually we we'll be back do, next week if we had to do a 12 hour episode of the shank cast i feel, I feel like, like we could totally oh, yeah. we could just keep totally, going yeah. topic, if we like topic. live streamed it and just like took questions yeah. we should do that sometimes. we should have like yeah and then like have the guys just, like deliver food like, that's calling. a great just, like yeah. on the phone like telethon yeah yeah Shank, yeah, that's a great idea. We should do that. That'd be that'd actually be a lot. Maybe of fun. we should do that when we're. We should probably talk about it off. Yeah, air. we should. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're get, coming coming soon now. <laughs> Shankcast telethon. Um, all right, yeah, we gotta yeah. just stop talking. <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Make sure to subscribe wherever you listen to, to podcasts. Um, and happy new year! Uh, looking forward. Yeah, we're gonna get back on the weekly tr- weekly train now. Uh, at least until we bit, leave. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although we'll, we'll do I, it. I brought, yeah, I brought um, some stuff to California. I did a couple of podcast episodes out there. It wasn't too bad. Like we, we, we could do it. Okay. Um, we probably still need to wrap yeah, this up. Yeah, we need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Thanks everybody. We'll talk to you next time. Take care.